Hey, you're listening to a sermon from Ketchikan Church of the Nazarene. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about our church, you can visit ktnnaz.org, visit us on Facebook, just search Ketchikan Naz, or you can download our free app from the iPhone store or the Google Play store, just search Ketchikan Naz. Thanks for visiting. Hope the word of God speaks to you today. You. Um, I hope that reminded you of things that maybe you forgot about that we had done. Um, and there were more things than that than we have done, but I couldn't fit them all into a video, right? Um, so to those of you who have given to missions efforts and summer splashes and donated food, and for those of you who have prayed and those of you who brought people and those of you that participated in any way, shape, and form in any of the things that we have done in the past year, you are working for God's kingdom glory through this church, for this community, and that is amazing. And so I just want to, from God's heart to your ears, thank you for the ways that you have served in 2016. And I'm looking forward to 2017. Um, I want to take time just to pray, and then we'll get started with the rest of the service. Um, But Lord, um, we give you glory, Father, for what you've done this past year. Um, The little testimonies we've heard and the images we've seen and the, the little kids that are dancing before us and singing their songs and reciting their scriptures and the things that we've not shared, but they're rolling around in our mind and our heart. We are so thankful, Lord, that you are such a big God who has called us to participate with you in your kingdom's work and in this fellowship and this family and with your Holy Spirit. And not just that you've called us to participate um, in fellowship, but you've called us to do good works and to receive the blessings of these things. And so, Lord, as we, as we look back and as we look forward today, Would you speak to our hearts? Would you encourage us? Would you motivate us? And would you continue to make your glory known in our hearts so that we can make it known beyond these walls? And we pray this in your name. Amen. All right. So um, I ran across this really interesting quote um, this week. Uh, It's from Winston Churchill. You guys familiar with Winston Churchill? Yeah. Uh, uh, Prime Minister of... Britain, yeah. Uh, my people, evidently, I just learned. Uh, I got my ancestry DNA back this week, and I am, like, all up in the British. Um, I'm, like, all British. So it crashed or something, but we'll get it back. Um, so uh, Winston Churchill, and it basically says, the further back you look, the farther forward you can see, right? And how often in your life have you experienced hindsight's 2020, right? And so you realize, oh, if I just look backwards, I can kind of figure out what I'm supposed to be doing in the future because of mistakes I've made or things that have gone well. So what I wanted to do is kind of look backwards as far as we can. And um, I'm hoping uh, we can get those slides up there. But if not, um, we'll try and plow through in as much as possible. Um, So I have uh, uh, charts that I was going to show that look back to 1952 when our church first got its start. Um, and, uh, and so if you can tell this is our membership, we had 11 people when we first started in 1952 and then 2016 over here. And here's what I wanna show you because this is so important. This is a, a, a national church trend. It happens to all churches and I want us to be aware of it. You grow and you grow and you grow and then you dip. And then you grow and you grow and you grow and then you dip. And then you grow and you grow and you grow and then you dip. And then you grow and you grow and you grow. And where are we right now? We're still growing. See, we have to ask ourselves that question. 
Because church trends tell us that right about here, we're going to dip. Church trends tell us that 2017 is the year of the dip. <laughs> I'm just telling you what statistics are saying. I want to ask you this morning, what is 2017 going to be? Year of growth. Year of growth. Great. I love that. Let's commit to that. Year of growth. 2017 is going to go up, right? Because we're consistently hitting 75 in attendance on Sunday morning, right? We seat 103. If I break fire code, 113, okay? I'm just saying, right? Easter, we did it. We had to, okay? So um, when you hit the 100 mark, right here is where it happened. We grew and we grew and we grew. We hit 100 and we became so uncomfortable because we didn't know people and... Um, at the 100 mark across all churches in the nation, you start to lose intimacy on Sunday morning, right? So unless you have another outlet, another place where you can build relationships and get to know each other on a smaller level, then churches consistently hit 100 and plummet back down to the 40s where you can have intimacy on Sunday morning. Our church has done this, right? We don't want to do this again, right? We want to keep growing. We want to get to 100 and go further. We want to reach more people. Not because I report it to the district, right? Because, okay, I have to, and it helps us see, but because the more people that attend are more people that are giving their hearts to Christ, right? And that's something we should be excited about, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay, just checking. So 2017 is not the year of the dip, right? 2017 is the year of Growth. Good. The kids are on board with me. Okay. So kids will get it. Okay. So this has been our membership, right? Now let's look at this. This is weekly worship from 52 uh, to 2016. Okay. And again, look at weekly worship. Grow, 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 dip. Grow, 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 dip, dip. Right? Look at our trend. And now we're going back up again, right? So um, is 2017 going to be the year of a dip in weekly worship attendance? Or is it going to be a year of growth in weekly worship attendance? Growth. growth. That means you all have to come to church every Sunday. Okay? There's enough of you on the, on the roster of responsibility of people that call this church their home that we should be running oh, 150, 160 on a Sunday morning. I want that to sink in. We run half of that, okay? We already could be at two services if people would just come to church, right? So, year of growth, right, in worship attendance, meaning we commit to coming and worshiping together as the body of Jesus Christ, right? Yeah. Right. Right? Yeah. Oh my gosh, you're going to give your pastor a heart attack. Yeah, the year of growth in worship attendance, right? Right. Okay, you're with me. All right. Okay, let's move on. Discipleship. Here's a big one. Okay, small lines. Work with me. Uh, Twenty or 1952 to 2016. The blue line on the top is the discipleship responsibility list, which does spike and dip and spike and dip and spike and dip in large bits when we cleanse the responsibility list of people who move out of state and die and say, hey, we're going to another church, you know? And so we cleanse the list, and sometimes there's a massive dip because of that. But just look at the overall trend of our responsibility list. 
the people that come through our doors that we follow up with and that say, I will come back to church. Uh, I'm not a member. Maybe I'm a tender. You are all on this responsibility list. The people that have walked in the doors of this church this year are on our responsibility list. So we have 179 people on our responsibility list right now. Okay. Now that's where we are right now, but look at our responsibility list. So this is the 120 mark right here. So yeah, 130, we dipped a little bit. We dipped a lot. Then we went back up. This is about what, 150. And then we went up to like, this is 240. We were up at, you know, 230-ish for a while. And then some things happen and I don't know, we look at church history and, you know, events and we went up and we cleansed again, we went up. Now when I got here, we cleansed the list because I looked at 200 and some odd people and I thought, I don't know how half these people are. You didn't know who half these people. We made a cleansing. We got a really accurate list. And we are now accurately at about 179 of our responsibility list. People that call this church the home that could come at any given point. But the average weekly discipleship attendance is orange. These are the people on any given week on average who attend any Bible study, any small group, any prayer group across our entire church. Why is there such a gap? Why, why is this distance so great? That's what I'm asking myself as I looked at the numbers. We are running 179 people who could come to church, right? And yet we average 22 in discipleship groups across all ages. That's all Sunday school, that's Wednesday nights, that's small group attendance. <clears throat> is this gonna be the year of discipleship for you? Or is this gonna be the year of, eh, right? Last week we talked about what it means to be a disciple, right? We talked about how disciples submit their lives to Christ and disciples pursue maturity, right? Right? Yeah, amen. <laughs> Preach it, preacher's kid, okay? Why is the gap so large? Why are we not discipling? Why are we not being discipled? How can we raise people to love Jesus if we ourselves are not committing to being more like Jesus. This is very disturbing to a pastor. This, this has to change if we want to reach this community for Jesus. We cannot give to our community what we are not receiving from Jesus, right? Next year, I wanna see this number higher. Jesus wants to see this number higher, right? The community that doesn't know Jesus needs to see this number higher so that we have something to give out of. We should not be running, and even if I take our average Sunday morning worship attendance, 79, which would put it right about here. Why are only 22 of us attending any kind of discipleship during the week? That's still a huge gap, right? If we are Christians, we are to be disciple. Get yourselves up in a group, folks, okay? There are plenty of groups on Sunday morning, Wednesday night. Uh, there will be some small groups starting in the fall, right? Uh, so we'll have three or four new groups for you to participate in. There's a Tuesday uh, women's study, right, Nia? Yep, yep, right? Okay. Yep. Uh, there's a Saturday morning men's group, right? Yep. Right? And so there is no excuse to be avoiding discipleship. I'm trying to make eye contact with everybody, right? <laughs> And myself too, right? Okay. You can't see. So, um, so let's just let that sit with our hearts and brains. If you are part of the 22, yes, keep doing it. If you are not, we love you and you need to be part of that, okay? Um, 
So what about this one? Total church income. I put this in here just so that you can see where we are, okay? There are no um, uh, mysteries in our church finances. So if you want to see our budget, ask Katie, ask myself. We uh, are electing board members today, so I would say ask the board members, but I don't know who they are yet. So um, when we make them known to you, you can ask them. You can email Diane in the church office. She can let us know, and we will get you a copy of the church budget so you can see how your uh, tithes and offerings are distributed. Um, we can show you the breakdown of that. No secrets, okay? Um, but this is how tithes and offerings have gone from 1952 to 2016. Um, and the spike, now correct me if I'm wrong, is when the house was, the other house was sold? Yes. Yeah, okay, so there was a second parsonage and it got sold and that was the spike that year, okay? Um, so, but I mean, you can see the trend just going, you kind of just ignore that spiky part. We've continually gone up. So right now we're sitting at what, 130 this year? 100, 100 okay, some, somewhere around 125, 130, okay? Um, now if everyone tithed in this church, I did math, it was hard, okay? I'm not gonna lie, okay? I did math and it was hard. But it, based on the average income for Ketchikan, which is about $55,000, I rounded to 50, because that's an easier number to do math with, right? And I looked at how many groups of families or individuals there are in this church. And if everyone tithed based on that minimum income, right, that median income, we would be right about the top of this spike Think of what we could do. Think of what Jesus could do if everyone obediently tithed. That would be amazing, right? How many mission trips could we go on? How many people could we give food and clothing to? How many orphans could we adopt? How many families could we, you know, do stuff with, dig people out of debt? The kinds of ministry opportunities are endless. God doesn't need our money, right? God's got the cattle on a thousand hills, but he's asked us to be obedient and to give. So when it comes to vision and looking forward into 2017, is 2017 going to be the year of keeping or is 2017 going to be the year of giving, right? We have to ask ourselves these questions, but overall, y'all are incredibly faithful, right? And so as we continue to grow, I want to encourage you to be ever faithful, ever generous, with your tithes and offerings, but also opportunities you find, right? Some of this stuff is not going to reflect the ministry you guys do out of your own pocket in your own life. I don't get to see it. Nobody else gets to see it. God sees it, and he loves it, right? So give. Be generous. It will be fantastic. Now, um, conversions and baptisms, okay? We don't have any data uh, in the early years of conversions and baptisms, whether it just wasn't entered, whether it was lost. Whether it didn't happen, I, don't, I, have, I have no clue, okay? Um, the orange line are baptisms. Up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, every year, up, down. Sometimes a lot, sometimes a little. They max out at right about 13, I think, okay? Um, and uh, it's been high, 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 but then you know, recently our conversions are sitting at, at that max four. We're Jesus people, aren't we? Right? We, have, we, we proclaim, that's what a disciple does. Disciple submits to Jesus and pursues maturity and proclaims the good news, right? Um, but but um, that's not a lot of people coming to know Jesus, right? As a pastor, I'm concerned by that. As Christians, we should be concerned by that, right? Right? So, um, so the blue line, uh, I'm sorry, uh, the, uh, the orange line is baptisms. 
And the blue lines are conversions, okay? Um, most of our growth is not coming from conversions. We've talked about this before, right? There's conversional growth, people hearing the gospel and giving their hearts to Jesus and saying, I am now converted from my life of sin to a life of holiness, right? That's the kind of stuff we want to grow church with. But we are mostly transitional growth. And I don't knock that at all because life stages and changes and whatnot. But the bulk of our growth is people moving from one church to another. And that's not just our church. That's all churches in this community. We just shift people like one giant puzzle over and over and over again. Right? So the same amount of people love Jesus in this town as loved Jesus in this town five years ago for the most part. So... Remember five years ago when I got here and I talked about Reach Our City? It was my first vision day here. And I did what no other pastor had done in this community. The first week I got here, I called all the churches in this town and I said, Hi, I'm the new pastor. How many people go to your church? And I got some like, what now? And I'm like, I promise I'm not sheep stealing. I just want to know how many people in this town love Jesus versus how many people live in this town. And what it turns out are 12,900 people or 14,000 people don't go to church. And the statistic really hasn't changed five years later. We still have to reach our city, people, and we can't do it with transitional growth, right? We're not going to do it by shifting people from one church to another. We're going to do it by, by how? How are we going to do it? Discipling, Discipling right? Are we going to do it by massive church programs? No. no. Like I look at the stuff that we do and I put them up here so we can see some of the ways that we do stuff. Um, show up Sunday. Great event, right? Are we going to win people to Jesus necessarily that way? Are we going to see crowds of people come? I'm not Billy Graham, okay? It's, you know. What about, what about harvest parties? They're great, but are they going to? No, right? Um, uh, are we going to do it by movie nights or summer splash? No? No. No? No? So how are we going to win people to Jesus? Yeah, one-on-one. -on -one. Um, scripture tells us something very specific. So if you have your Bibles, we are going to read from the Bible today. First uh, Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. This statistic will not change unless we as individual believers, disciples, right? Disciples of Christ who submit to Jesus, pursue maturity, proclaim the gospel, and lead others to do the same. I almost forgot my sermon from last week, right? <laughs> Unless we as disciples do something as individuals, right? So here's what it says, and I've got it up on the board for you. If you don't have a Bible, there's one under the seats. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. And just soak these words in, because this is how the city will change. You, prophetic finger, I'm, I'm, you are a chosen priesthood, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are a people for God's own possession. Let that one sit for just a moment. You specifically, you specifically, not the general population, you specifically have been chosen. You specifically are a royal priesthood. You specifically are a holy nation. 
You specifically are a people of God's possession. Sometimes we read through scripture and we think it's not me. It's talking about somebody long dead. This is talking about you. You are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a people for God's own possession. So that, all of that is so that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Right? So, all those statistics that we looked at, all of the numbers that are going up and up and up, that's all transitional. That will dip back down unless you, prophetic finger, and back at me because I'm part of this, right? So, right? <laughs> Take the responsibility, the mantle of discipleship and say, I will, like we talked about last week, submit my life to Jesus, pursue maturity, Say it. Proclaim. Say it louder. Proclaim. Say it again. Proclaim. Yeah. Proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Is that not good news for your own life? Like, are you not excited that God has called you out of darkness and into light? Can I get an amen from anybody? Amen. Right? And if you are excited about that, then why are we not sharing that more often? If we are sharing that, we should be seeing more conversional growth. But the reality is, we're not seeing conversional growth, so we're probably not sharing it. This is hard reality, folks, okay? And I'm looking at myself, too. I'm a pastor, right? I get up here and I preach the gospel Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. But I, too, am a human. And it is nerve-wracking to get out there in the world and build relationships with people that don't know Jesus and try and talk to them and find the right way to break the ice and say... Uh, hi, I love Jesus. Do you, can I tell you about, you know, how this does intersect with your life? Because I tell you, the minute I say I'm a pastor, people shut down. It's a conversation killer. You know what I'm talking about, Craig? Yeah. 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 The minute I'm, well, what do you do for a living? I'm a pastor. Conversation done. People don't want to talk to me once they find out I'm a pastor because I might tattle to Jesus or something. I don't know. I don't know what people's mindset is. So I try not to tell people I'm a pastor. I know that's weird. But when I'm building relationships with people, I want people to see me for me, who I am, not for what I do. I'm a human being that struggles just like everybody else. And I've been through fires and you sometimes still walk through trials and God's walked me through great things. And I want people to know that. And I struggle just like you struggle to find the right way in the right time and the not awkward. And then the feelings that get hurt when someone's like, I'm not talking to you and it happens, right? Let's be real. But we're called to, like, shake the dust off our sandals, according to Jesus. Hmm? Oh, yes.
Thank you, Barb. It's a, it's a strong reality, and we don't think about it until people are on their last breath, right? Um, we all have family members that don't love Jesus, yes? Yeah? We ought to do something about it. Hardest place, right, to minister to your family? We all know people in this town that don't love Jesus, right? 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 Okay. The answer better be right. If not, we have to have another conversation. We need to get out of the world a little more. Um, okay, because we're called to be in the world, not of the world. So we need to love people and serve people. And this is our church vision, right? To love Jesus, right? And serve people. And as we are loving Jesus and serving people, we are actually building a community of Jesus lovers who are going to go serve people, who are going to make a bigger community of Jesus lovers, who are going to go serve people, who are going to make a bigger community, right? And that changes that number. But if we just come here and are 22 on Bible study and 70-something on Sunday morning, and we're happy with our church the way it is, and we don't actually take risks for people, we will only ever see transitional growth. We will never see conversional growth. 2017 will not be the year of growth. It will be a year of stagnation. And God does not want that for his kingdom. God wants to flourish his kingdom. And we can do that because you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a people of God's own possession. And he did that. He called you. He chose you. He made you holy so that you can proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Ah, wait for it. Because you were once not a people, right? You were not a people of God's choosing. You were separated from God. But now you are the people of God, right? And you once had not received mercy. But now you have received mercy. And so you are to proclaim that to other people so that they can say, I was once not a people, but now I'm a people, <laughs> right? I had once not received mercy, but now I have received mercy. And lest we forget what we are talking about, we are talking about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The fullness of everything that is God come to earth, born of a virgin, lived a holy and sinless and perfect life, was tempted in every single way that you have ever been tempted, and I mean every way. So if you struggled with it, he has too. But he never gave in to sin where we have. And then he voluntarily walked the road to Jerusalem, allowed himself to be arrested and tried illegally, unfairly, beaten, crucified for our sins, died on the cross, was buried, and then on the third day rose again and said, death doesn't have power over me or those who follow me anymore. Go now, therefore, and tell people that. Amen. Right? That is what we need to be telling people. With Boldness. Think about the folks in the New Testament when the church was just getting started. Did they go, let me build a really strong relationship with someone first. Let me, let me spend some time, years laboring over relationship and looking for the right opportunity. Did Paul do that? Did Peter do that? No. Did any of, did, did Stephen do that? No. They see the opportunity. They have a bunch of people and they're like, I want to tell you about Jesus. Why? Because they were once not a people, but now they were a people. They had not had mercy, but now they had mercy. And if that truth is really in us, it motivates us to go and win people for Jesus. Right? So, so what's our... Oops, that was a song. So what's our vision for this year? What's our purpose for 2017? To, to grow, to proclaim, right? 
to multiply out, right? We're going to do it with small groups. Our small group, we have one, right? One official technical small group, and we have other groups that meet. Our small group is going to multiply, and we're going to have a couple more small groups. The women's ministries is a small group, right? Wednesday night Bible study, that's a small group. Sunday morning, Sunday school, those are small groups. They're all small groups of people who get together and like love one another and pray for one another and sometimes share a meal together, right? Get plugged into one of those because as we multiply out, we're going to have more people in here on a Sunday morning and we want some place to find true fellowship and relationship with one another. We need to multiply ourselves. If we are the church and happy with where we are, we're not going to grow. But each one of us can go out and multiply. We've talked about oikos and praying for those folks. Well, I won't say stop praying for them, but I will say start talking to them, right? It's one thing to pray and pray and pray, but you've got to go out and talk, like Barb said. Start sharing the gospel. 2017 is the year of proclaiming, is the year of multiplying, is the year of sharing the gospel, is the year where transitional growth happens but is not the norm. It is the year where conversional growth is so crazy that that tank is filled every Sunday because people are giving their hearts to Jesus and being baptized and we don't know what to do with them all because it is happening so fast. I want a, a, um, a Pentecost kind of thing happening in 2017. Can I, can I say that? I mean, is that okay? Right? I want so many people to come to know Jesus, not just through this church, but all the churches here in Ketchikan that love Jesus, that we have such a problem in our town that we go, I don't know, we don't, the pastors have to work together and the churches have to figure out how to handle it. And we divvy them all up because we can't contain them. So yes, yeehaw. So the 12,900 people suddenly are a people for God. They are not a people. But we want through God to see them become a people. And that means you chosen people get to go out from these seats and proclaim you get to go out and tell people about Jesus. You get to actually have the conversation with them and lead them to Jesus. The church does stuff, right? We do programs. We facilitate things. But that's the on-property building church part, right? But scripture says that you are the church. You are the body of Christ. You are the way it grows. So, 2017, right? Year of growth, right? Year of maturity, maybe for some of us. Year of leading other people. Year of conversions. Year of baptisms. Year of, oh my goodness, it's happening and we have no idea what to do and now we're awkward because... What do we do with so many people? I'd rather have that problem, right? I'd rather have more people than I know what to do with. I'd rather break fire code. I'd rather have to put seats out there in a television and pipe audio. I'd rather have to add a second service and a second worship team, right? I'd rather have to have two children's church ministries. I'd rather have to, you know, all those kinds of things. But it starts with you. Are you guys ready for that? Yeah. Yeah, I'm ready for it, I think, right? Okay. So... I'm going to pray, okay? 
And then we're going to take communion as we do worship today. And communion is going to be set up along the front here. Because here's what I want for you in communion. Here's what I think God is asking for communion. That during these three songs as we worship, that you spend some time with Jesus before you partake. That you talk with God and you ask him to work in your heart, right? That you ask him to teach you how to be a disciple. That you ask him to give you boldness. That you connect with the Lord and Savior who called you, chose you, made you a nation, made you a people, gave you mercy, right? And you talk with him. And then you come and take this meal of remembrance where you're saying all of the things that God has done for me, I'm proclaiming through this meal. That he died for me, that his body was broken for me, that his blood was shed for me. And that as I take this cup and this wafer, that I remember what he did. And because of that, I am compelled by his love to go and tell people about it. May this meal of communion today not just be a meal of remembrance, but may it be a meal of proclamation, where you and God proclaim together with one voice, this is what I believe, this is who I belong to, and this is who I will serve every day for the rest of my life. And you can do that on your own time as we worship through these songs. Let me pray for you. As, al as always, the altar is open for you who want to come and kneel. The prayer wall is open in the back. If there are things that in your life, people that you want to see come to Jesus, put their name on the prayer wall, right? Let's pray for them. Let's grow through leading people to Jesus this year. Lord, um, it seems really simple to say our goal for 2017 is to win people to Jesus. But the reality is we don't really win people to you. You, you speak to people's hearts all the time. You are constantly um, working in people's lives. We call this prevenient grace, grace that goes before us. And you did it in our lives, and you're doing it in the people around us. And this morning, Lord, I pray that as we commune with you, as we receive the body and the blood through this cup and this wafer, that we would be reminded of the great mercy we have received and be filled with the boldness of the Holy Spirit to go and proclaim to a lost world that they might come and know who you are. But we recognize in all of our proclaiming, we are not the one who saves. In all of our proclamation, in all of our boldness, in all of our relationship building, it is you, Lord, who saves. You in your Holy Spirit who regenerates the heart. You who convicts of sin. You who forgives him. And so we ask, Father, that you would move into this town ahead of us, into the lives of those that we know, and that you would begin to proclaim through a soft whisper in their heart or through circumstances in their life that when we follow you obediently, submitting every step of our life to you, that we would find ourselves on ground that is fertile and tilled and ready for the harvest. And Lord, we pray that we would see growth this year, not for numbers' sake, but for souls, Father. And not just this church, but all the churches in this town. So as we pray, Lord, we pray for our church and all the Jesus-loving churches. That there might be a revival this year. That we might commune with you in a way we never have before. That next year we might step back and go, 
what the heck did God do? This is amazing. Like I imagine they did the day after Pentecost. Lord, we give you ourselves this morning. We give you our hearts and our hopes and our dreams. We give you our vision for the future. And we ask, do with it as you will. But we will be obedient to where you lead us. And we know you are quite clear. We are to go and proclaim. Give us the wisdom and the words to do that this year, Father. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.